You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture lesson this week is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. The original video can be found at sanctifiedart.org. You'll hear the contemplative reading of this scripture, but if you'd like to see the original video, it also includes a piece of artwork entitled Fullness of the Tomb by Lauren Wright Pittman. Thank you to sanctifiedart.org for creating this video and granting permission for us to use it in our worship this week. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they've put him. And Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb, and they were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And he also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed, but they didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary, Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. And as she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And the angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And as soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And thinking that he was the gardener, Mary replied, Sir, If you have carried him away, just tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. 
And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and my sisters and my siblings and tell them I am going up to the Father, to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene left and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She told them what he had said to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. I've proclaimed these words from 1 Corinthians countless times, standing in funeral homes, sanctuaries, and beside open graves. These words are part of the liturgy for a service of death and resurrection, what we often simply call a funeral. People all over the world in the last few weeks have suddenly been faced with the challenge of planning a funeral for a loved one that maybe no one is allowed to attend. Some places allow groups of five or ten people to gather. And other places won't even allow a family to see the body of their loved one who has died. The familiar traditions of mourning, gathering for a funeral, or in the Jewish faith, sitting Shiva. Those community gatherings have been identified as the source of COVID-19 transmission in multiple locations around the globe. What should be a comforting ritual is now replaced with the risk of sharing this virus or something new, like an online funeral. Mary and the disciples were able to gather together in person to sit in mourning after Jesus died. They had to wait for the Sabbath day to end before they could go and visit the grave. Mary must have been anxious to arrive at the graveyard at first light on Sunday morning because she set off while it was still dark. What was the walk in the dark like in the midst of her grief? Was it filled with tears, weeping and wailing? Or was Mary so numb with grief that she didn't even notice the distance that she traversed? See, in the midst of grief and trauma, we don't experience time in the same way. Trauma affects our brains and our ability to perceive the passage of time. Over the last few weeks, I've heard many people refer to something like COVID time, where a day feels more like a week or a month. The days may blur together because of the loss of our regular routines that help us keep track of what day it is. But even more than the loss of our regular routines is that in the midst of trauma, our brains simply do not process
process information at the same speed. And this affects the way that we perceive time. Living through this global pandemic is a traumatic experience. And in the midst of this trauma, our brains are not able to make sense of what's happening. Our scripture this morning from the Gospel of John gives an example of when this happened. It said clearly, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Those disciples who had gone to the graveyard had heard Jesus tell them in advance what would happen. And there in the midst of their grief and trauma, their brains could not make sense of what was happening there. They were grieving the death of their beloved Jesus. Living through trauma can reconnect us with all of the older traumas from our lives. It can make old wounds that we thought were healed feel fresh and raw again. Times of grief and trauma can bring up all of the places in our lives where we have been wounded and broken. As Mary walked to that graveyard, did she weep with grief not just for Jesus, but with a grief compounded with the death of other loved ones, of other bodies that she had anointed with funeral spices, of her parents, a sibling, dear friends. It's no wonder that her brain did not recall Jesus saying that he would rise from the dead in three days. Before we can be resurrection people and celebrate Easter, we are trauma people. We live through Holy Saturday. For the disciples, it was a Sabbath day of rest when they were overwhelmed by fear and locked away. Only until they lived through that day that may have felt like an eternity could they step outside and go to the tomb of their dear friend to tend his body. Did those disciples who were locked away react with the typical variety of responses that people today encounter in seasons of grief? Did some of them collapse with exhaustion and sleep as much as possible? Did others lay awake all night replaying the events of the week past, wondering what would be different if only they had done something differently? Did some of them long to be able to be busy to have tasks to occupy their mind and their hands to distract them from their feelings, but they were hindered by the rules of a Sabbath day of rest. Did those disciples try to cling to one another, finding comfort in their shared grief, the opportunity to talk with one another about all that had happened and all they were feeling? Or did some of them need a lot of personal space to process their feelings alone. We each can respond differently to the same grief and trauma. Some may eat more than normal and others forget to eat at all. 
Some sleep more than normal and others find sleep elusive, no matter how exhausted their bodies might be. Some people may react by overfunctioning, by trying to help as many other people who are hurting so that they don't have to stop and notice their own big feelings that threaten to overwhelm them. And others are so overwhelmed by it all that they underfunction, barely able to get out of bed or to bathe on a regular basis. There are some who react by wanting to move past this present moment that we're in and move into making meaning of it all, trying to make sense of what's happening, taking a mystery and trying to tell a story that helps us understand the events happening around us. For us living through this global pandemic, it is too soon to fully reflect on this season of world crisis. In the same way those first disciples were not yet ready to reflect on all of the theological implications of the events of Holy Week. So Mary did the only thing that she could do. She put one foot in front of the other and she walked to the tomb. She sought comfort in the familiar ritual of anointing a dead body of a loved one with funeral spices. She went expecting to encounter death in a graveyard, but what she encountered was not what she expected. It was an empty tomb and fear overtook her. She mistook Jesus for the gardener. Confusion and fear swirled around, and it wasn't until she heard his voice that she found the truth. When anxiety threatens to overwhelm, we can ground ourselves in our five senses. What we see, feel, taste, smell, and hear. Paying attention to our senses can bring us back fully present to our body and present to the events happening around us. It allows our brain to catch up with what's going on. Mary lost her sense of self because what she saw did not make sense. It wasn't until she heard a familiar voice call her name. Mary. Hearing her name brought her to the present moment, and the fear and anxiety that she had fled because she could see Jesus now standing before her eyes. I imagine her heart probably still raced. Maybe her breathing was a little shallow. How did that sound when she said Rabboni? Did she gasp? Or was it the kind of cry where the floodgates open and you cry from the very depths of your soul, Rabboni? She dropped the funeral spices that she had been carrying. Did the sweet smell of oil surround her as she tried to reach out and cling to the Jesus who was standing before her alive? But Jesus 
would not allow Mary to cling to him. When Mary stopped weeping, and when she turned toward him, she tried to embrace him, but he said, Do not hold on to me. Mary thought her old life was back. I've seen a few folks joke this week, trying to make light of the stress we all feel and reflect on the fact that the very first Easter included some social distancing because Jesus wanted Mary to stay at least five or six feet back. But there is an important teaching here. We can see the risen Christ, but we cannot cling to him. We cannot cling to our old lives, what used to be normal. For Mary, life did not go back to the normal that all of the disciples knew before the crucifixion. It was not possible for Mary or anyone else to cling to Jesus in the hopes of restoring what was. Instead, Jesus brought a new normal to the world. In our current season of confusion and fear, how do we want to cling to what we knew from our so-called normal lives just a few weeks ago? I've heard that phrase, the new normal, used to describe what the season will be when we get past this immediate crisis. Until a vaccine is found, many people will need to remain wary of being physically close to large groups of people. There are those who are especially vulnerable who may never feel comfortable moving in the world and even going to the grocery store in the same way again. What was the new normal for those disciples? Scripture shows us that the 50 days between the resurrection on Easter and the ascension of Jesus were times of wonder and confusion for those first disciples. And we enter that same story today. We enter a season of wonder and confusion, of life as we know it getting reshaped. This is a time marked by trauma and grief. Some grieve because a dream got taken away, a job, a family, a perfect life of our own design. Others grieve the death of a loved one. They grieve the financial hardship they're experiencing, or they grieve because they're simply overwhelmed and can only respond with tears. We may be saying to the gardener, where did you hide my normal life? Where did you hide my hopes and dreams? Where did you put the life that includes people gathering together in person and sharing communion with one another as we worship on Easter Sunday? when we're weeping from the weight of crisis and chaos, when the reality of death and loss is just too much to bear, those tears may not stop until resurrection calls us 
by name. Sarah, John, Barbara, Mary. Only when she heard her own name did Mary snap out of her grief. This same living Christ calls us today. Life as we knew it is gone. What was normal will never be the same. And what will come will be a new creation, a new normal. Christ invites us into the mystery of resurrection and new life. At Easter, we proclaim that death does not win because God's love defeated the grave. This is a mystery that we cannot fully comprehend. This is a mystery that God invites us to enter today. On what used to be a normal Easter Sunday, we would share Holy Communion together during worship. Breaking bread and sharing in the fruit of the vine after I lead our prayers for the great thanksgiving. Even though we usually modify those prayers to fit the season of the church year that we're in, we often keep some of those words exactly the same, including this phrase. As we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. If you've worshipped with us here at Central on a communion Sunday, those words may feel familiar to you. It may be so familiar that it just feels like conjugating tenses of the verb to be. You may not have taken notice how significant that mystery is. Or maybe you're not familiar with the words of our great Thanksgiving prayer. Maybe you're just hearing this mystery of faith for the first time. I invite you now, wherever you may be, to speak aloud and proclaim with me the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Resurrection cannot be explained. Resurrection can call to us. Resurrection can appear in the places where we least expect to find it, and even when it's right before our eyes, we might completely mistake it for something else. When we gather for worship and we share in communion, we celebrate God's presence with us, and we pray a prayer after we receive and we often use a prayer that includes this phrase. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Even though we are not sharing communion together today, we are all being invited into the holy mystery that is the resurrection of Christ. Today begins the season of Easter, what some call the great 50 days. I pray that during this time you allow yourself to step into that mystery of faith. For we will not all die, but we will all be changed. 
Lent is usually the season when we anticipate some significant spiritual transformation or growth. But this year, I'm hearing an invitation to step into mystery in the season of Easter. I hope that you listen closely for the moment that the risen Christ calls your name. When he invites you not to cling to what was, but to encounter new life. New life that gives us good news to share with a weeping world. When we encounter this risen Christ, it is not just for ourselves, but it is for the entire world. So brothers, sisters, and siblings in Christ, may we celebrate that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.